1: Welcome into another episode of the Can We Please Talk podcast. I am Mike Leon.
2: And foolishly getting my hair freshly cut at a time when we may or may not even be on video for this. I'm Nick Saveri.
1: And you know what? We'll see. We'll see what producer Tim comes up with. He's the best, our producer Tim Meehan. Uh, On the program today, the affidavit came out on Friday. Everything everything that happened with the FBI's executed search of Mar-a-Lago. Nick and I with the latest on that, some takeaways we're going to get some reaction from some former security officials that's been playing out in the media circle there we'll get some of their takeaways plus if you missed this story last week in our last segment Missouri's bringing back something in schools straight out of the 1950s more on that in our final segment, uh, I say hello to Mr. Zavary there. He has not gotten a haircut yet. Uh, he has recently signed a contract with Leon Media Network. And I am George Steinbrenner of the New York Yankees. And I'm, I'm going to make him get a haircut and and cut his facial hair there. And and it's going to hurt Nick because he's a Red Sox fan first and foremost. So Nick, how are you doing, my friend? Uh, better than the Red Sox, actually. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Seriously. Uh, yeah, but I wait for the language in the contract, of course. Uh, right. No, we're good. We're good. Big, big day coming up. Our Oldest is going off to second grade or starting, you know, awesome. returning to school. So, um, yeah, just big moment. You know, it's been it's been a long summer because in Pennsylvania, students wrap up, at least in our district, uh, June 6th, which is super early for anyone who went to school like myself in New Jersey or Mike in New York. Yeah. Um, and then returns August 29th. So that's a lengthy summer. So, uh, I haven't seen that since college. So, but she she thrived, she had a great time. So we're excited to you know send her back, yeah, you know, at least during the day and get back to parenting just one kid, you know, throughout the day. Right. So, yeah. how about you,
1: Mike? Good man. You know, s- same situation. I'm actually uh, taking a little break in a couple weeks, going on a nice little cruise with with the wife. Uh, we we had a nice little weekend to ourselves, able to go to a Daddy Yankee concert. For those of you that follow me on social media, you can see me. Being fully Puerto Rican at this uh, Miami concert with Daddy Yankee, man, it was a lot of fun. I'll tell you what, uh, it's his last tour. So able to go with my wife and some friends, super excited about that. But um, everything's everything's good. Let's talk about another resident in Florida where it's not going so great for him. That's uh, a, Tim, if you're listening, that is a segue
0: and a half right there.
1: That's, that's a chef kiss right there. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about or who we're talking about, uh, Mar-a-Lago Beach Club, obviously up in Palm Beach. I'm about an hour and 20 minutes, I said last time from up there. But uh, everything that's been happening right now with the Trump uh, Mar-a-Lago FBI executed search warrant finally came to a little bit of a precipice here on, on, fr- on this past Friday. You're listening to us on a Monday morning. Um, so what happened? Let's catch you up because the affidavit came out. And, and it's a lot of redacted. If you remember our last episode, Nick, we had Ellie Honig on the program, the former federal and state prosecutor and a current CNN senior legal analyst. And his guess was that the affidavit would probably be about, you know, 50 pages, maybe something like that. A lot redacted. You wouldn't get too many details. Well, the affidavit came out. It's about 32 pages long. Uh, a lot of redacted versions here as the Justice Department filed this introductory document, to notify the court that it had complied with the order to file the affidavit. If you go through all of it, the FBI kind of laid out what it had already established uh, before the search. Mr. Trump was improperly keeping national defense information, an apparent violation of the Espionage Act. The FBI believed there was a good reason to believe that additional documents were at Mar-a-Lago that would be subject to that. And two other laws were cited in the application as well. Laws against concealing official records and against concealing documents as part of an effort to obstruct an official government agency effort. The scope of what the government thinks Mr. Trump was obstructing remains unclear. This is all according to the New York Times. By the way, if you go to their site right now, you can actually see they have uh, a little bit of almost like if you used Microsoft Word back in the day and you'd be able to put a note comment, they have their full affidavit there and some parts highlighted and annotated. Uh, This is all from them. But uh, it would be uh, at a minimum, it would seem to be the attempt by the National Archives to do its job by taking custody of public records. They couldn't do that after, you know, contacting the Trump team for so long. And then they were able to involve the Justice Department, which is why this executed search warrant ended up happening. Um, one thing I wanted to play for you, Nick, before we kind of give some takeaways on the affidavit, 184 documents that were recovered in this, um, and, and a lot of them super sensitive information, classified. We had Marie Hart for a few weeks back ago, if you recall, former CIA officer and State Department official. She was telling us about the different classifications and what they mean and the different levels, right? And a lot of these documents had really high sensitive classification associated with them. Um, As I was watching some of this play out, not only on Friday and then over the weekend, you're getting different analysis from different people that have worked in former key government official positions from the FBI to the NSA to the CIA, right? All the three letter uh, agencies you can think of. I want to play you a little summation of some of the clips that I've heard from some of these officials, Nick, because I would love to get your takeaways after this, because some of it is really revealing. And these are people, one has been on this program before you'll recognize his voice when we play it, but, but it's just, it's, you know, it's almost like as if, if I had worked somewhere for 20 plus years and somebody did something that's outside of the conventional norms of what I've always been, uh, you know, for example, HBO, I worked there for almost 12 years. Somebody did something outside of the conventional norms of what I did when I was working at HBO, you know, and somebody asked me for my comment, this is kind of what I would sound like. Take a listen
0: to this. Reading the classification markings, just the classification markings referred to in this affidavit made the hair on the back of my neck stand up.
2: A little talked about piece of this affidavit and the DOJ justification says they don't want to reveal certain information because it could uh, affect Secret Service operations. That tells me they're not only worried about the president's safety at Mar-a-Lago, but that there are security vulnerabilities that, that likely made this information vulnerable to infiltration, to spies potentially on the property. That's one thing they're clearly worried about.
0: I recruited human assets and your biggest responsibility as a CIA officer is to keep those human assets safe. Their job, they're putting their lives on their line to help our country and to help our country stay safe. And having documents being around in an unsecured manner where anyone could get their hands on them will absolutely get people killed. We're often talking about intelligence that is singular in nature. What does that mean? It means that it could only come from one source, um, the microphone in a foreign intelligence service headquarters that took a human source to plant it. The, the human source reporting on the illness of a, of a world leader or the plans against us took 20 years to recruit that person. They may now have to have to literally exfiltrate human beings.
2: And I will tell you in Trump world, they are in a full panic, they are in a mole hunt in Trump world to try to find who these people are who are clearly around him, who clearly ratted Donald Trump out. And the investigators want to protect the security of those individuals because they know from Donald Trump's history that he tries to root out and punish whistleblowers.
0: This information and these markings indicate it's so sensitive, so sensitive, that it's going to become problematic to prosecute Trump for this. I have had cases, numerous cases, in my in my career, and I, as AD of counterintelligence, I, I oversaw all espionage cases, where certain three-letter agencies came to us, Nicole, and said, "Yes, you caught the guy, but you this can't ever see the light of day, and we're not going to support a prosecution."
1: That was Frank Fogluzzi that you heard there. Uh, he's obviously a former uh, counterintelligence uh, director, so, assistant director, excuse me, for the FBI. 25 years serving in a couple different administrations there. Miles Taylor's voice, if you remember him, he was the former chief of staff for DHS. And then uh, there was a CIA officer, I believe, also that was a part of that little montage there. Um, one thing that I will want to add to this is that after the affidavit came out, a federal judge has now scheduled a hearing that's going to happen this week on Thursday to consider former President uh, Donald Trump's request for a special master to oversee the FBI's review of evidence seized at Mar-a-Lago. In doing so, the courts put the parties on notice that the uh, that the judge said there's a preliminary intent to appoint a special master, which would be a third-party attorney, who would filter out privileged material seized in the search so we could actually kind of find out uh, a little bit more about this uh, in our Friday episode. We'll probably touch upon this as this comes out. But Nick, uh, initial takeaways of the affidavit, uh, the the 32-page doc, a lot heavily redacted and obviously it talks about the investigation and you know the it points you really to kind of like look this is the case we're kind of building and uh, this is why we can't share xyz because we could risk uh, people's lives that are in danger not only could be ones within the trump orbit but it also could be other ones that are associated with the documents that were recovered from his house what were some of your takeaways from that, and then the montage itself, some of these, Frankfurt Frigluse has been on this program before, a friend of the show, uh, just h- hearing him say some things there at the end too about you, you can't prosecute some of this stuff sometimes because you get to really sensitive classified materials that will really blow years of work out there in the public sphere once people find out what it's related to. So what were some of your takeaways on that?
2: Yeah, you know, when we had Ellie Honig on, Previously, you know, we talked about. Our question I asked was, you know, does this potentially a redacted version of the affidavit, you know, maybe change public perception? You know, what we all thought about, you know, when, um, you know, for the FBI, you know, executing that warrant at Mar-a-Lago, Mar- like by itself, we thought, okay, this is some pretty serious stuff. A redacted affidavit comes back. Do we all think, well, there's so many limitations here, you know, maybe it wasn't as big a deal? I was actually surprised. It was actually. The intensity of it didn't change. You know, people I was you know follow following on Twitter, the conversation still stayed pretty intense as to this is serious. That what was found, what was being pulled back, indicates that something something wrong took place. Um, you know, from the Washington Post, one thing I'll I'll share. You know, this was a summary of um, the release of the affidavit that came out yesterday. Um, but essentially what it speaks to is the fact that you know one of the reasons for for executing the warrant was that there was information according to the National Archives and Records Administration in January that had it fallen into the wrong hands it could reveal sensitive details about human intelligence sources and how spy agencies intercept electronic communications of foreign targets we're now talking about national security you know and what frank had, what you just quoted frank on when you played that clip speaks to the fact that you know, it wasn't just documents. We're talking about so we're talking about national security, people's lives in the line. Two things come to mind for me. One is, you know, I mentioned her name before, but outed CIA agent Valerie Plain, who you know, under the previous Bush administration, um, was sadly just revealed as an as a CIA operative for political reasons. Essentially, her husband had been involved in the the search and findings about. Um, Essentially, the weapons of mass destruction that the Bush administration had claimed had been in Iraq, not there. political punishment for um, for him speaking out was his wife getting out it. And that's now where Scooter, Scooter Libya was punished for that. Um, but the other part that comes to mind is there's an article from The New York Times, I think a couple of years ago, that talked about agents, CIA agents um, being killed in the field. And that was back in 2017, but more importantly, it happened during uh, the Trump administration. And it does beg the question that not just with these documents recently being found, you know, at Mar-a-Lago, you know, how long has this minist- administration been reckless with holding on to national intelligence to the point where we're finding out agents in the field? And then the the more vicious angle to this that I wonder is was that intentional? You know, I I'm very open about the fact that I don't think Donald Trump. Um, is a He is a savvy politician, but as a leader is incompetent. And history indicates this over and over, both in business, both and now as a former president of the United States. So was this just someone bungling national secrets or was this an intentional leak for the sake of benefiting foreign partners? Right.
1: I, I think it's well, first off, I think there's a third category about uh, on the Trump part. I think it's more of, you know, a flaunting the fact that I'm the president of the United States. You know, uh, there was a clip of Joe Biden being asked this as he was about to take off. I forget where he was going to. And he he made a joke. He's like, well, I just declassified everything right now for my administration. He's like, come on, it doesn't work that way. Right. And then Marie Harf kind of said the same thing on the program with us that it, it really doesn't work that way. One thing before I let you get to your quick note. Um, 100, I mentioned 184 unique documents bearing classification markings, 67 of those documents were marked as confidential, 92 documents marked as secret, 25 documents marked as top secret. Look, I don't care what level of distrust you have of the government, right? And we've talked about this with former government officials that have been on the program, some that have worked in the Trump administration. It's fine to naturally distrust the government. I've mentioned this before, the government compartmentalizes things, right? This person doesn't know that and X, Y, Z, as it trickles all the way down and sometimes as it trickles all the way up, right? Because for whatever X, Y, Z reason, just like if you think about how things play out in your job, but if there was 184 documents, right? That were recovered from your, from just from your job, Nick, educate, or even from my job, my day job at Stats Perform. And these documents relate to, things that give away strategic positions or things that our rivals could utilize against us right just in the corporate world and the money that would be lost uh for some of this thing leaking think about what would happen to all of us right we would we would all be fired right and then potentially be sued or things like that now now translate that to the federal government and people's lives and the three letter agencies that i just mentioned that try to protect us from from people that wish to do us harm and that's that's a, i'm not going to engage with some of these senators that are out here talking about, you know, that, the, oh, they could have just asked nicely and gotten it back. They tr- they w- tried to work with the former president for a year. Elionic mentioned that. A bunch of other people have mentioned that. This is top secret stuff, man. People's lives are on that paper, lig- literally and figuratively. And for the for anybody to, to come out here and just be like, they could have just asked. They didn't have to go to go these lengths. Now we're seeing it bear out that like they did have to go through these lengths and there could be potentially some more fallout from all of this. I know you had one more point before we go to the break here.
2: Yeah, two. Um the first is a little humorous and the only one not so much. You know, um Cash Patel, who is, you know, growing in prominence as yeah, your cousin. You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. One go. of uh one of the many Trump stooges, uh, had had been the one to make the argument that, you know, the president had declassified everything, you know, that he had brought you know down to Florida, uh, as Biden had um you know had sort of playfully you know spoke to um and the question that came up and this was starting to pop up on twitter is well if the idea is that he declassified everything but if the fbi allegedly planted stuff as he alleged when they first um executed the warrant how does that make sense in terms of timing and um, that that just seems like a logic flaw in one of many foolish arguments that the former president makes when it comes to the execution of this warrant. Uh, But the other point, um, not so funny. Uh, The article I referenced for the New York Times is dated October 5th, 2021. The headline reads, Captured, Killed, or Compromised. CIA admits to losing dozens of informants. Uh, Mike, the opening paragraph reads as follows. Top American counterintelligence officials warned every CIA station and base around the world last week about troubling numbers of informants recruited from other countries to spy for the United States being captured or killed people familiar with the matter said. Again, maybe it's a stretch. I mean, we're talking about a executed search warrant on August 8th, 2022, and we're looking at, and I just i am quoting a article from October 5th, 2021. That's a long stretch of time. But Mike, that begs the question from a national security standpoint, the former president takes boxes of documents down to his home, out of the White House. He's no longer president. For what reason?" And what we're seeing is the impact of a move like that potentially may be the deaths of operatives in the field. Those are harmed, those are outright killed. And this all seems on some level connected. Like, why in the world are you taking documents that are listed as classified? And this idea that, well, he declassified everything. Well, obviously, that's bullshit. But this comes, it just like so many things in that administration. Why? Why engage in these types of activities? And the only logical explanation is that you were looking to do something that basically is illegal.
1: Yeah. Well, we're going to find out. That's for sure. I don't want to speculate on that part, but um, more on this in the coming weeks. We've got, I say this all the time on on the coming weeks. I mean, we really do. We have people lined up to talk about this because you and I are not covering this uh, other than speaking about it sometimes on our podcast, but we bring people on that are offering informed perspective and stuff like that. But one thing I will say when we get back after the break, we're going to get informed perspective for somebody who currently works in the education sphere because the state of Missouri is implementing something. One section of the state of Missouri is implementing something, taking us back to the good old days, some would argue. Uh, More on that when we come back after the break.
2: Your website should be a marketing asset, not an engineering challenge. Empowering everyone from independent designers to whole marketing teams, Webflow combines the power of HTML, CSS, and JavaScript and places them all in a completely visual canvas. Trusted by companies like Lattice and Discord, it changes the way marketers, designers, and engineers create for the web. Now you can build the site you want without the dev time. Start building for free at Webflow.com.
1: Nick, the presenting sponsor of Can We Please Talk is Fresh Roasted Coffee. Since 2009, this Pennsylvania company has been making their passion of bringing you gourmet coffees from all over the world, roasted fresh, to order in eco-friendly smart roasters. They're committed to quality, service, integrity, approachability, and sustainability. I know you've ordered a few packs there. You're going to tell the people because we all know what a big coffee snob you are. I live the K-Cup life and I've ordered some of the Colombian roast and the breakfast blend. It's delicious. Your take, sir, on Fresh Roasted Coffee, a Pennsylvania-based company for the man in Easton
2: Pennsylvania who drinks coffee regularly. Yeah, Mike, that's right. You know. Shop local, right? (laughs) As always. Uh yeah, I just most recently bought the flavored coffee set, which is six different incredible flavors that's on its way getting shipped. I had that just ground, you know, for when it gets here. Mike, one of my favorite parts is that they allow you to take a not allow. What am I talking about here? They give you a quiz just to get a sense of your taste. You know, so I took that quiz. I got recommended Sumatra. You know, just a great single origin coffee. But in addition to that, Mike, they have a great section, just a learn section. If you go to their website, freshroastedcoffee.com, there's a just on when you click down, there's a learn section. For those of you who are not necessarily in the coffee game as deep as mike and i are you can learn everything from how to use your french press how to use a chemex so they're they're not just selling you coffee and tea by the way something That's very right. important you know a lot of places try to separate these two ancient beverages not fresh co- fresh roasted coffee you nope. so they have a huge variety of tea as well my wife's more of a tea drinker than a coffee drinker so i'm gonna be hooking her up but mike it's an awesome company so many things available on the website um and i think that Those who are listeners of the show can benefit from listening to us and purchasing from there, if I'm correct. That's right. Because all you got to do right now, if you're in our
1: show notes page or whatever audio podcast platform you're listening to us, you click the link that's available right there. That link will have a special promo code discount applied to whatever you buy from freshroastedcoffee.com. Head to that link in our show notes page and get in on some of this great tasting coffee today. Nick, I teased it at the beginning of the show. Uh, If you haven't heard this story that made rounds uh, last week and it got talked about all across the news sphere, maybe in some limited capacities, depending upon what networks you watch or listen to or podcast or whatever. But a school district out in uh, southwest Missouri near the Arkansas border, Cassville, I believe is the school district, is giving parents the option of allowing it to administer corporal punishment to their children. Now, if you hear the term corporal punishment, you're like, what the hell is that? Is that? I mean, yeah, it, it kind of is what you think. Uh, well, take a listen first to what corporal punishment is and what the actual measure is and hear from somebody that is actually representing the school board uh, uh, on this topic.
2: A Missouri <laughs> school district is bringing back an old school form of punishment. The Cassville School District is asking parents to give written permission to allow them to spank their child as punishment. This is an opt-in only option for parents. So anyone who disagrees with uh, corporal punishment, uh, they simply do nothing.
1: Corporal punishment, I wanted to add there, as a measure of correction or of maintaining discipline and order in schools. This is according to the policy. However, it shall be used only when all alternative means of discipline have failed. And then only in reasonable form and upon the recommendation of the principal should never be inflicted in the presence of other students. Um, The policy also says corporal punishment shall be administered only by certified personnel in the presence of a witness who is a district employee. Corporal punishment shall be administered so that I'm reading from the policy now that there can be no chance of bodily injury or harm. So striking a student on the head or face is not permitted. So, again a couple different steps right the 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 student has to exhibit you know bad behavior over a couple periods of of time and then only when they get to a certain point i guess it keeps getting escalated up and up the chain where it's finally like okay we can enforce this spanking and its parents that have to opt into this part of the program um, i want to get your takeaways as somebody who's been a former teacher in classrooms you've dealt with Uh, kids, maybe unruly, maybe some that are just normal uh, and the the like. And then um, I'm thinking of myself, I'm reading this, my wife and I were talking about this and I said, if you have to go through these many steps and hurdles, maybe this isn't a good idea. Like I've got to get a parent to sign on for this. I can only do it in the presence of a principal and somebody else. And it has certain rules associated with it. How about we just get rid of it? Why do we have this going out here? Uh, your takeaways, as you just mentioned at the top of the show, your your second grader, you know, going back to school, uh, corporal punishment in Easton, Pennsylvania. How would that
2: fly for the uh, Zaveri household there? Oh, it wouldn't, and I pull my I pull my daughter out if it was if that was on the table. Right. Um, you know, I don't know why it is an education that we take the approach of Burger King. Um, your way, right away. You know, Republicans seem to lately engage in a practice of where if the public wants it, that's what we're going to do in schools. Uh, most recently in Oklahoma, a teacher after her first day of school had you know, displayed books that were considered banned, you know, according to the state and directed students to accessing books in the Brooklyn Public Library in Brooklyn, New York, which is making their catalog of digital texts available to anyone nationwide. You don't have to be in there in the zip code um for doing so a parent uh dimed out the teacher uh the school then investigate and the teacher was frustrated and said the hell with this i'm out here Uh, i bring that story up because there seems to be this weird habit and texas was doing this with their with their abortion anti-abortion laws right like you can dime out a doctor so conservatives have figured out that the best way to institute policy is to let citizens who are not nearly informed on this make these decisions. The idea that I'm going to, as a parent, r- having written, written language that it's okay to strike my child, and that's okay. that <laughs> I just have to write a little letter and someone gets to lay their hands on my seven-year-old. First off, I will say this as a parent. How foolish and how bad a parent are you that you have to outsource disciplining your child? If it's... If it, if you have done such a shitty job of raising your kid that you now have to hand that over to the school to lay their hands on your child, which, by the way, is not an effective way of discipline. There's no, there's no data in the world that tells us that corporal punishment is still the best way to, to handle things. So we're basically going to you know, enact a, a principle that seems somewhat like applicable to jail. To handle disciplinary issues, uh, the article that I, sh- I share with Mike, and this is from ABC News, talks about the fact that you know, when you allow something like this, disproportionately, some students are going to be identified as being more likely to be disciplined. Um, students that have that have learning challenges, um, students that are recipients of special education, like students that you know we unfortunately don't consider within the mainstream or the students that we consider outliers behaviorally and academically sometimes. And they are far more likely. And even with a parent's permission, what we're saying is, well, it's okay to raise your hand to them. I would ask anyone, and I'm legitimately curious about this in the school district, why do you think it's okay for someone other than you to discipline your kid? And if you think it's okay for you to lay your hands on a child, how in the world do you think that's gonna in any way benefit you know their their emotional growth at all? It again, I'm not a proponent of spanking. I've never laid my hands on my children. I got enough bass in my voice, I don't need to. <laughs> um You're you're not that scary. I don't know what
1: they're probably exactly right. Well, <laughs> let, you wrapped around my, their my oldest
2: is seven, exactly. And yeah. for the most part, they do. Right. Um, but when when daddy's had enough, daddy will let you know, right? Um I just it's it's just harmful. I I think yeah. there is something really traumatic about the fact that you know my parents have said it's okay for this teacher to lay their hands on me, uh, yeah. and and then I'm brought in front of a principal. And Mike, this really kind of gave me some like Shawshank Redemption vibes, honestly. Which yeah, is <laughs> really that, chilling.
1: That, that's actually a pretty good analogy. Um, you know, I want to I want to I add a couple things real quick. Um, and this is according to the AP. Uh, obviously, the policy. I was talking about that, you know, corporal punishment is legal in about 19 states. Missouri is one of them, right? Um, you can only do this when other forms of discipline such as suspensions have failed. And then again, it's only with the superintendent's permission. They put, let me tell you something. You you give this Missouri school district uh, the the Mar, the documents that were found in Mar-a-Lago, nobody's getting them because they put so many rigorous steps in place for that this to not happen they shouldn't be doing this at all it's like it, it, you're going through 7 8 different fail safes first the student has to actually do xyz a multitude of times suspensions you know after school stuff if that stuff doesn't work then it has to go to the principal who has to approve it the parents already have to sign off on it Right. So like that's step one. Then it has to go through. He, he or she actually has to act out. Right. Then you enforce other types of ways to, you know, restrict that kind of behavior. If that doesn't work, then you go to the principal. Then you go to the superintendent. Like what's going to be the, the, the percentage of, of, of kids that this will actually happen to less than one percent? I mean, who knows? Why would you go through so many steps? Get rid of the policy. It makes no sense. To have this, and again, this is about a 1,900 uh, student district, and it's about 60 miles southwest of Springfield. So, uh, they the district had originally dropped the practice in 2001. So they actually formerly had it, and they're bringing it back uh, 21 years later. Um, it's very surprising, and like I said, I, I I don't know why you would have this when you have this many steps involved to it um you know more on that we're going to try to get somebody on from the school district there as as the year kind of progresses out and the school year kind of plays out that would love to follow up and think about you know what what ended up happening with this right because the national media loves to descend on something like this and then there's never a follow-up on this right like what is happening they're going to make it a mission here at, at can we please talk to follow up on that uh thank you so much for listening to our monday show video portions of our uh all the interviews that we've done on this program or even the full-length episodes if you go to our youtube channel type in can we please talk podcast there and you'll find all those clips shout out to our producer tim meehan who's doing a great job with all of that stuff audio podcast platforms you know them by now apple spotify google please leave us a five-star review and comment please and by the way email us can we please talk podcast at gmail.com if you've got a take on one of the issues that we talked about tonight with, with the trump uh, fbi executed search warrant or even the missouri school district we'd love to hear from you we've gotten some fantastic feedback from different people along the way shout out to our hosting platform a we couldn't do it without them and we couldn't do it without you guys and gals out there listen to the program each week twice a week can we please talk now twice a week don't forget october 27th for our live show in dc city tap house come on down if you are in the dc area or, or the dmv as they like to say uh as always i am mike leon
2: and proud that i've never struck my children
1: i'm nick Severi. we'll see everybody next time